I feel like you've been on a you've been on a pretty good roll with starting the show. So the the honor is yours. Um. All right. So if there was a charity auction for a dinner with Steve Ballmer, um, and you, let's say you were a, of of um more uh, if you, if you were a wealthier gentleman, not that not that you're insanely rich, but that you know you you have got a lot of disposable income. You mean like you mean like yourself? <laughs> None the slightest. <laughs> um, let, let's say you, you had a decent amount. Like you're somebody who can uh, go to a silent auction and you know really really bring out the big bucks. <laughs> sure. What would yes. what would you uh, donate to some charity um, in order to have a uh, sit down dinner with Steve Ballmer? I would I would contribute a significant sum of money, um, but I would contribute an even larger sum of money if I was able to actually go to an NBA game with him. You would have to go to a Clippers game inside the Staples Center. Underneath all those, uh, uh, the, the uh, former glory of the Lakers, of which the current <laughs> team does not resemble at all. So you think that wouldn't be weird for you? It would be weird for me, but I think the just sheer joy and excitement of Steve Ballmer would distract me from the awkwardness of the situation. And you understand that? I mean, have you, he, he would he would slap I, the beer out of your hand probably four times during during the game. Probably, but that, I mean, that would be fine because the beers would just be refilled and it, it would be no problem. You'd be all, you'd be all soggy. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you been seeing any of the clips of him during uh, this Clippers playoff series? I have. I, 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 a couple times a week, I'll get linked to some vine of him just going nuts in the front row or court side, I well, think so it's called. It, it's, even, it's even better recently because uh, like TNT, which has been you know broadcasting the games, they've actually been showing him quite frequently live during the game. So you don't even have to wait for the vines to come out the next day. It's it's just as you're watching the game, you you get these little Steve Ballmer updates every ten to fifteen minutes, and you know after every big play. And you know as much as I I don't like the Clippers, you know one of the things to respect about them is they are a pretty exciting team. They make a lot of you know they're all the oops and and, and all all that stuff as you would say. Um, yeah, so they they cut to him quite frequently. So, are there any other teams? So, well, actually, I should get into it. So, w- what reason would you want to? So, for me, it's that I want to know. I think he's a really interesting guy, and there's a lot of, um, in light of the recent Microsoft news, there's a lot of unanswered questions as to how much of the new Microsoft is Satya Nadella, and how much was stuff that was him that he's not necessarily getting credit for. So, I really want to know about the end of the bomber era of Microsoft where I think you're more just into the guy and the, and just kind of the, the fun basketball pal. I, th- I think that's a fair assessment. Yes. Although I don't, I mean, I think, isn't the answer to your question fairly obvious? I mean, why, why would they replace him if the direction that they're currently going is what he wanted? I don't think it's entirely what he wanted, but I think that Nadella hasn't, had control long enough for all the things that they're doing to have been made in like the past 18 months i think that he i have no bearing for any of this but i think that a lot of what's happening like they might have found a more um like unified strategy for what they want to do but i think a lot of the projects that they're being um celebrated for or they think that this is the path of a new microsoft that's more healthy um, a lot of it probably started under Balmer. Maybe not a coherent message or like you really think they only started developing iOS apps uh, with Microsoft like intellectual property once Nadella came along? 
I don't think Office for iOS, which has been out for like a solid year now, happened in six months. I mean, it, it, it's so hard to say, but uh, all indications were that everything that Microsoft's done since Balmer's departure is almost completely the opposite of what he wanted to do, at least what he was saying publicly. I think maybe he was a leading, a presiding over a Microsoft that wasn't ready to announce defeat. That maybe internally they were planning for it, or they were maybe taking things in different directions, and that he approved a lot of that. Anyway, it'd be cool to know what actually happened. Anyway, and he, he seems like he'd be a fun guy. It seems like if that's the direction you wanted to go with your a charity night out with Steve Ballmer, a dinner would, would be the way to go. Because I, I suspect that if you went to a Clippers game with him, you you probably wouldn't get a lot of good conversation. It just would be a lot of yelling. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless they were playing against the Lakers, in which case it's kind of like, you know, who, who, the Harlem Globetrotters, which is the ones where it's like it's, there's no competition. They just do tricks on the floor. You know, the Lakers season's been over for... Like three weeks? Almost a couple a couple of weeks yeah. now. And it's, that's the second dig you've gotten into them in the first, you know, five minutes of the program. I don't really appreciate that. That's okay. Steve Nash is retiring, right? He, he, is, he is officially retired, yes. He went out like a champ. <laughs> I feel bad because you know, he's had a storied career, hasn't he? Oh, totally. No, he just he had a Hall of Fame career, but his time with the Lakers was a, an unbridled disaster. Any any fault of his own? Like, did he just not? Because I, I assume, like, with that type of thing, like basketball particularly, it's not like it's not like baseball where you can have like an exceptional hitter on a crappy team. If you have a if you don't have like great teammates or you don't have the support, even a great player will struggle. Well, he no, he just never played. He was just he was he always broke injured? his oh, okay. Yeah, he broke his leg his second game of the first year he was with them. And it, it took him quite a bit of time to come back from that. And unfortunately, it eventually led to some nerve damage in his back. Um, and he just, he never really recovered from that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. Wait, I had somewhere else to go with this. Damn. I mean, we'll, we'll, we can, we'll cut all this, cut all this out, piece it together, and it'll, it'll seem fine. Okay. No, we don't really, um, you know, they talk. We'll talk about the show on the show. I think the people really like that. We've um, through the editing process not really been ed- uh, cutting for content or editing for content. We've been uh, kind of giving it to the people raw, as, as you are famous for saying. It's all solid gold. That's well, it's true. It's it's the uh, addition of podcasts. <laughs> it is definitely that might maybe maybe a show title. Maybe I came up with a show title for once. Doesn't happen very frequently. I still have like an hour and a half to try to top it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think so? You think this is going to be one of those shows? I don't know. Let's see. I mean, so you, you know, I should, I should say, you know, to, to everyone, you have on two occasions this week uh, hinted that this would be a big show. I, I get excited for that. I, I look forward to the ones that that you're also looking forward to. Not at all. I just think there's a, a lot to talk about. Or I think there's been a lot of. Um... I've read a lot of interesting things this week, which makes me think there's a lot to talk about. Perhaps, but perhaps everybody's already said everything there is to say about it. So who knows? I mean, maybe this will be our worst show yet. Quite possibly. You just you just never know. Yeah, sometimes we know. That's what makes it exciting, though. Sure. So what's what's first? Oh uh, no, you you give me a topic. Well, so I I would like to talk about the Apple Watch first impressions of everyone. Okay. If that's okay. Sure. 
So, you know, I, I tend not to find kind of canned reviews uh, that which come out prior to a product's launch to be very interesting. Um, Gruber sometimes is, is a good read, but I, I think that the reviews from all the major, you know, gadget blogs, just, just, they're very formulaic and I don't know. I just generally don't find them all that interesting. So I, I think the real good stuff comes out after a product's been out for a few days to the general public. And, um, I don't know. I, I guess in a lot of ways, people's first impressions of the Apple Watch are are kind of exactly what we thought they would be. Where I'm not sure about that. There are. Okay. Well, I don't know. The, the the sense that I got was there are a lot of really good ideas. The hardware is fantastic, but the software is iffy at best, and it feels very much like a version 1.0 product. And I feel like those kind of four main bullet points would be exactly what I would have predicted for this product. But you seem not to agree. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with your point that initial reviews of like sites that think they like they're required to do like a day one or like a right as the press embargo goes away type of review doesn't review a product in the way that maybe somebody who's a more experienced or somebody who's more like into it would want to because they're trying to like stress test it or they're trying to like get every little facet they can out of it rather than thinking like how how will a regular person use this or how will it fit into a person's life um so like some first impressions from uh, jason snell and matt howie and a few other people i thought gave a much better um picture of what day-to-day use of the product is like and i and i found those a lot more relatable and it, it seemed like some, some other things that came out of the more, yeah, to your point, day-to-day use. Um, battery life seems pretty good. I mean, Jason Snell in particular seemed like he had really good performance from, from his. Um, but, you know, I, I think he also touched on some things that a lot of other folks have brought up, too, around performance not really being great, um, especially with third-party apps. Um, which, you know, when you and I have played with the watches in the store, I think we, we kind of experienced something similar. And I, I had been kind of hoping that, well, maybe it's just because the watch is hooked up to this crazy demo iPad thing. Uh, but it, it does seem like just a, you know, regular watch in the real world doesn't perform especially well. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's, it's a very, um, kind of mixed bag but at this again at the same time i don't feel like anything that people have been saying is surprising in any way like there hasn't been anything where i was like oh i I really didn't really didn't see that criticism coming or oh you know this seems even better than i thought it was going to be just it kind of just seems like yeah this is this is what i expected out of the first version of the apple watch so i think it is surprising in the sense that the original iphone and most first generation apple products at least from the user experience side or the feature set side, are limited limited enough in scope to really um, like not manage expectations, but to make sure the core functionality of whatever it is is nailed down until they expand it. And it feels like the the current generation or the this first generation both tries to do too much and too little at the same time. Like they weren't, they tried to split their focus of keeping it simple, but also not making it seem like too limited a product to limit it, limit its appeal off the bat. 
So I think that's I think that's un Apple like. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, Jason on uh, upgrade talked a little bit about this where it's it's very un Apple like where with third party apps, you know, obviously Apple famously with the original iPhone didn't allow third party apps, but then eventually they did. And and when they did, they they were pretty much great right out of the box. I mean, the the SDK was mature. You know, third party apps really were kind of this instant hit on the iPhone. And it, in hindsight, seemed very, very smart for them to kind of wait that extra year to make sure that third-party apps were great from the get-go. And you know, with, with Apple Watch, it's the exact opposite approach, where they allowed third-party apps from the start, but it's a very half-baked approach, where you know the apps don't run natively on the watch. They're pretty limited in what they can do. And so it seems like this odd middle ground that, makes no one happy and on top of that jason also brought up this point i personally don't really think when i get my watch i'm really even going to use a whole lot of third-party apps like for me it's more about the notifications and the fitness tracking and just the general timekeeping stuff i i really don't picture myself having a ton of apps so it in some ways even feels weird that so much of the focus of of the watch and all the marketing material and everything has been on on third party apps. Yeah, I mean, in my day to day use, I found that notifications tend to be a lot more important to it, but that the third party apps are pretty lacking. So you you you've had some experience with the watch? Yeah, I didn't know this. This is breaking news on the show. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. You don't do? Do you have a watch? I do. What? Yes, sir. Wait a minute. Did you did you purposefully not tell me so that you could save it for the show? Uh, no. So uh, this is this is we should tell for this is not stage at all. I I literally did not know you had a watch. No, back when the uh, pre order pre orders went live, um, I was pretty much planning not to get one, and uh, then I thought, well, who knows? Maybe I'll change my mind in the time between then and when it ships, and I've got I've got a month to think about it, and um, I forgot to cancel the pre order, and then I got a tracking number, and I'm like, ah, crap. You, you never told me any of this. No. <laughs> Why not? I feel like you're feel like you're keeping secrets from me now. No, because again, I I'd intended to cancel the pre-order, but then I just completely forgot about it. And then, yeah, I just wanted to play around with it for a couple days. So what did what did you uh, which one did you get? I got the uh, the regular sport, the not the space gray one, because I think I don't I don't like the look of it, uh, and the white sport band. And the the forty two millimeter. No, the thirty eight. Oh yeah, I've got uh, small to medium wrists. So the other one, when I tried it on uh, in store, looked just far too big. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, this. I mean, why are we talking about other people's impressions? This is completely changes the conversation. What What do you think of this thing? It's fine. <laughs> is that your Is that your review? Pretty much, because like other people have asked, and I and I can't really think of a better way to put it. It the most of the applications are just god awful. They they have no reason for existing. Um, it's frequently frustrating to use. Um, I think it makes a really fo- uh, poor fitness companion. But as a phone and a notification, like why is my pocket buzzing? Device, it's it's pretty good. So overall, I think those level out to being it's fine. 
So when you say it's it's difficult or frustrating to use, what, what do you what do you mean? Just the fact that the screen is so small, or that, and also like uh, it has like the wrist detection, so it's supposed to know when you're looking at it. That works seventy percent of the time, and it's really frustrating or maddening to like look like a jackass trying to get it to turn on, and then you hit the button to turn it on, but then oh, that's the time it finally figured out you want to look at it, so you just turned it off, um, and just stuff like that. And also, like, just the, there's so many like user interface inconsistencies that it just makes it really challenging to use. So I don't know. And just most of the applications are just just should not exist, which is really annoying. Yeah, the 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 timekeeping thing concerns me. Uh, you know, the Pebble has an always on screen, so most of the time you're wearing it. You know, obviously that's not really something you need to think about. But at night. Obviously, you, you, you really can't see it until the backlight comes on. And the backlight comes on kind of in a similar way as, as the Apple Watch screen where, you know, it detects when you're moving your wrist and, you know, it doesn't turn the, the backlight on it until it detects that motion. And, you know, with the, with the Pebble, it's, it's not quite as um, seamless as what the Apple Watch describes in that, you know, the Apple Watch apparently can even just detect when you're kind of rotating your wrist, whereas with the Pebble... You kind of have to shake your wrist, <laughs> but in any in any case, you know, I, I I just that general kind of awkwardness of having to not only you know move your wrist to a position where you'd be able to see the watch, but then do some type of additional motion to you know get the screen in a state where you can see it uh, is is not uh, not ideal. Yeah, so I mean, on this one, most actually most of the time it does uh, light up when it's supposed to. It's just that it will either. Um... Like, let's say you were already holding your hand in a way, like on a desk or something where you were expected, like where it thought you might have been looking at it. So it probably already turned itself off. And then you'll twist your wrist to try to get it to wake up again. And it just doesn't. And I think Joshua Topolsky mentioned that in his review, which was a really frustrating part. And I thought that really, um, I think that rings true a lot. I was, Gruber spent a lot of time on his review as well on that. And it seems like even if it's one of those things where it only happens maybe once every you know even dozen times you do it 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 just it seems like that's a action that you that you do enough where it would be frustrating if it if it did it even that infrequently kind of like when touch id first came out at least my experience was that you know it would work 95 percent of the time but because that's an action that you're doing dozens of times a day even that five percent of the time it doesn't work is really really frustrating um, I think that's a really, really um, spot-on uh, parallel to draw. Yeah, touch, touch ID's failures at the beginning were um, super, super annoying to the point where you might not want to use it. And then as it like reached like 90 to 95% success rate, it became um, something that you could rely on and trust. So let me ask you this. So do you, do you think that these shortcomings and the things that you have found yourself not liking so far... Do you think these are things that can just be fixed over time with, with newer versions of the watch or perhaps maybe even, even some cases just improved software? Or do you think this is just something that's kind of fundamental to the concept of a, a smartwatch? I think this is going to be a pretty crummy or mediocre product for probably two to three generations. I don't know if it can all be fixed in software. Um. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's just weird. 
My biggest complaint is just that it's it's a really uh, excuse the language, but it's a really shitty fitness tracker. Like it, it uh, like I miss my fuel band. I know, and I miss the simplicity of the fuel band. So, what makes it such a crummy fitness tracker? One to get like the fitness tracking started, you have to deal with that god awful like honeycomb home screen thing, and you have to tap the world's smallest screen to get it going. Um, it doesn't allow like if you're doing like an indoor run on a treadmill or something, you can't like adjust it or calibrate it to what you actually ran. So it just does its random estimation of what you did. Um, it doesn't track a lot of activities. Um, doesn't have built-in GPS. It doesn't draw off the GPS from your actual real watch or real phone, as far as I can tell. Um, so I don't know. Like the notification part is pretty great. Um, but that's mainly it. And also Siri um, seems to be basically broken on it. Oh, so you mean it works the same way that it does on the phone? No, I, I have no problems with Siri on the phone. It, I, for me, it's not even that it doesn't work. It's that it doesn't work the first time. Like to initiate Siri, you hold down the, the digital crown for about two seconds. But there's this lag when it's like initiating the Bluetooth connection where it will take a while to start listening, but then it only listens for like a quarter of a second and then says, I didn't hear you. And then he, if, you, if you do it the second time, it works perfectly every time. But it's really, really annoying. Just because I do tend to use it a lot for setting alarms and timers. And it does, it says the same stupid crap um, whenever you set an alarm on it or set a timer. So that the, your, the, the comment of how you turn on Siri by you know, holding down the, the digital crown made me think. The button, the button configuration, even from my brief time using it in the store, Makes seemed no very... Unintuitive, yeah. The, the the friends button or whatever the hell the thing is below it, which if you click it once for friend or to, to get to your like quick access contacts, you can do that. If you double click it, it's Apple Pay. If you hold it down, it's power. It feels like it should be a back button, and it's not. So yes, it's completely frustrating. And also the digital crown, whenever you click it in, doesn't always do what you expect it to. I barely learned out that if you double click it, it will switch to whatever application you were using most frequently. It's uh, it, it makes no sense, and I don't I don't foresee regular people putting up with this. Yeah, having the 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 sole dedicated button on the device be primarily used for or kind of defaulting to that that contacts page seems really really just not very useful. Like my. Even my very initial impression during the first demo when they showed that contacts page was, I don't think I'd ever use that really. Like, I really don't like it. And also, not like I'm not trying to portray myself as like unpopular, but I don't have 16 people that I talk to every day. Totally. And I think also just thinking about the way that you communicate with the watch, you know, I, I think most of the time when I'm responding to a message or in in some way communicating with someone it's usually going to be in response to a message they first send to me exactly because if i'm going to compose something brand new i'm not going to do it from a like a half inch screen that's right that's the exactly. worst way to do if anything I, exactly like I, I think it seems to me that like the the where the watch is at its best in terms of communication is is those like quick you know those quick smart replies or whatever they're called and that kind of thing um 
but to initiate a conversation, I just don't really ever see myself using the watch. So yeah, I just in general don't don't picture that contacts page to be very useful. And it's so it not seems... in the fact that it, it has the largest button on the on the watch dedicated to it is super super annoying. Yeah, I mean, and, and not not to keep bringing up you know upgrade, but it was a really I thought great episode. Um, you know, Jason kind of made the obvious point that it seems like over time as Apple gains a better understanding of how people are using the watch that the button will either eventually default to something else or you'll have an option between a couple of different things it just it seems like what it does today is not what it'll do you know a year or two from now um yeah i mean i think that's that's probably the case but i don't i don't see how they scale back or scale up it's like use cases because i think a lot of it just needs to it just needs to be a tighter experience but i don't know how they necessarily do that because they've already tried to do so much already but also what it does is so limited again like in in like for me the biggest complaints are like as a watch the faces are extremely limited it does like the the digital watch faces and i don't want to make myself seem dumb but i do prefer the digital watch faces over the more aesthetically pleasing analog watches because that's just it's just easier to use but most of the digital faces are very limited in terms of what you can customize except for one which is just the ugliest one of the entire thing so is that is that the one that's in uh the image of from uh the my rocky first 24 hours with apple watch um let me scroll backwards yes so that's the one that's very it's called modular and it's very, very customizable, but it's ugly as hell because the time is, is, is really small compared to whatever the middle content is, which is either like an alarm or like your calendar invitations. So I don't know. It's just really weird. So for me, I, I just have the jellyfish one, which after three days, my jellyfish died. So <laughs> swear to God, after three days of having it, it stopped showing the jellyfish. So it was just a black screen. So I think, I think they just died. And then I had to restart it, and then the jellyfish came back. So I don't know if they put new ones in or what the deal was. So you just apparently you just used the watch to uh, message me one of these new animated emojis and, that they have. It's ugly as hell. So, they're they're hideous. Particularly on so I'm looking at this on messages on OS 10, and it seems like the emoji is probably bigger than what it's intended to be because it's nope, it's, it's supposed it's to look like that. Like if you do if you do it on a phone, it's still comically large. It's just it's very, but it's very low res as well. Oh, I mean. gotcha. It's probably not supposed to be on a Retina display, I guess. Well, no, I, this is just on my cinema display, or, or on a on a Mac like big screen. Sure, um, but yeah, they um, th these just seem completely useless and just kind of ugly. And the thing is, to get oh, like the, the emoji picker for everything else. Is just it's like horrible, and also it doesn't support the multi-ethnic uh, emojis. So, so every, everybody's white again. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I the 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 personalized communication of which you know I think the emojis were kind of part of that piece of of the watch still doesn't make a lot of sense to me, just because it seems like so much of it 
is either just not very useful or requires that the person who you're sending the communication to also has an Apple Watch, uh, which just seems very limiting. Um, so yeah, I don't. It just um, I don't know that between putting a, so much emphasis on third-party apps and between putting a lot of emphasis on this new kind of personalized communication, not to mention the I what I think is kind of misdirection with taking such a um, stance on the on the fashion angle. I just all you combining all those things just make it seem like the watch is just not focused in a way that we've become accustomed to Apple products being. Again, for me to kind of reiterate what I said earlier, which which kind of uh, echoes what you just said, is that whenever Apple introduces a new product category or a new something new that they're really getting behind, they usually do it in a limited way first to make sure people understand it, or at least to ensure that that experience is just super polished, even if it's limited. And it doesn't really seem that this is that way. It seems like they couldn't, they either didn't think there were enough compelling reasons to buy it, or like, I don't know if it was feature creep or what it was, but just something made it become far less simple. And I think, and I think that suffers a lot. Like the setup is actually like a huge, it, it's, it's a, kind of like shockingly like long and tedious. Like you have to uh, allow all these weird permissions to it. You have to let all these apps install, which I understand that takes time, but like, in, like from turning it on to getting it set up is like an hour, not an hour of active use, but like letting it install everything. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's strange. And I still can't get over the, the hideous application icon for the Apple watch that they forced on everybody's phone. And it's just, it's just weird. I've been a little confused about the way third party apps are handled. Is, is it the case that whenever an app comes out with an Apple Watch enabled update, it will automatically install to the, the watch? How, how does oh, that yes, it does. And apparently, I don't even know if this is intended behavior, but if I uninstall that application from the watch and then they release an update, uh, app update, it comes right back. Oh, that's, so so therefore, I have of... The Economist on my iPhone three times already, which all it does is an audio controller for... Ugh, yeah, that's that's that was the that was the takeaway that I had from a couple of different things that I saw, but it did it seemed wrong. Like, because I mean, doesn't doesn't that just make the home screen or whatever? I guess they they do call it the home screen. Doesn't that just make that a mess? Uh, yes. And also, I've got Freddy the Mailchimp uh, on mine because <laughs> because they they have an app too apparently. And you just you just you just take a photo? What just happened? Uh, yeah, send it over. Did you take a, a photo of your watch? No, I took a, a photo because you configure the home screen of the um, of the watch from your phone. Like almost all settings oh. and configuration happens from your phone. Hmm. And so if you didn't like if you didn't want say the the Amazon app on your watch, which I'd imagine you probably and don't. I did, I think I already deleted that, <laughs> or I think I already <laughs> deleted it once and now it's back. Cool. Huh. Um, yes, yeah, so you have to then go back into uh, you tap the back button to go back to the my um, hold on actually I'm sorry this is just so uh, you can edit this out but this is so stupid that you have to um, hold on, let me uh, this is not going to play well on the on audio. Well, I think that the sound the sound effects are you know interesting adds a different uh, dynamic to the show. There we go. 
So sending you two additional things. Okay. So basically, the depending on how many apps you have installed on the phone that have watch companion applications, it's just like the settings screen on your iPhone where there's just a shit ton of applications you just have to scroll through. And then every single one has an option of what notifications you want it to appear. And if you want it to not show up on the watch or if you want to uninstall it, you have to dig down and then just uncheck the box that says show app on Apple Watch. And it just it just reappears for no good reason. Yeah, so so this is the what this is what you're talking about where if you if you turn this toggle off but and an app update comes out, it, it turn the toggle gets turned back that on. That has been my experience. Because I have not uninstalled and reinstalled the Amazon application from my phone and it was not there on Sunday and it's there today. That just that seems crazy. And again, just also I have to repeat, the Apple Watch icon is really ugly. It is very ugly. That's correct. And I and imagine that because of how frequently you want to access it, you probably have to put it in a fairly prominent position on your phone. Oh no, it, it's 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 buried inside the second page of an app folder because it's so ugly. I don't want to look at it. <laughs> and also, well, I gotta I gotta let you to, uh, let you talk. So, do you have anything else? Well, no, I'm just I'm I part of me is just I, I'm still just kind of recovering from the fact that. I, I, in fact, I actually specifically told some some mutual friends of ours this weekend that uh, you had made the decision not to get one. So I just, I just, I just can't believe, I just can't believe this is happening. Um. Anyway, because no, I was just like worried. Like I'm like, oh god, it, it's gonna be like if if this ends up being popular and it's like until July, even if I don't really want, it, I'm kind of pissed that I couldn't. So anyway. Well, yeah. Welcome, welcome to to my world. Anyway. <laughs> Like, wait, how did you not get yours? Even the lady got hers. She got hers today. Uh, as far as I'm aware, none of the Space Gray Sport models have shipped. Gotcha. That's my, that's my understanding. In terms of what it looks like, I think the um, the the light silver um, aluminum Sport looks very, very nice. I don't think I would like the look of Space Gray. Yeah, I'm a I'm a darker darker watch person. So. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I saw the aluminum one or the kind of silver one in, in the store, and I, I felt pretty good about my space gray decision, except for the fact that it's going to be another couple of weeks until I get it. Gotcha. That that is. Um, I mean, God, talk about first world problems, right? But it it is well, it is very the, the watch that you could already know from now multiple reviews and personal first and experience is pretty crappy and underwhelming. You're still sad that you have to wait a month for it to be disappointed. It's just it's just it, it's frustrating to pre-order something minutes after it becomes available and still not be able to get it, you know, until all, all I mean, could be up to a month after it, it first yeah. came out. So go ahead and explain your frustration about like the watch launch or rollout or what you think's going wrong. And then I'll get back to why I think it's a crappy fitness product. I mean, well, I mean, number one, because of what I just said, I just think it's, it's crazy to pre-order something right the minute it's available and then and still not be able to get it for some period of time after the launch i just th that's not a that's not a very good experience my spin is they're a victim of their own success too much i mean sure. they can't fit as many people in the movie theaters they want to sold out shows i think the other major thing is not making these available in the store at all and then coming out and saying yeah these things aren't going to be available in the store for like months i just i don't know that just seems very it comes across as pretentious, and it just doesn't seem again doesn't seem like that's a very good experience. Like if I'm if I'm an average consumer and I just walk into the Apple Store and you know maybe I've actually had you know maybe I've thought ahead and I've made a try on appointment, you know I, I find a watch that I really like, 
you know, I, I then I say to the salesperson, you know, hey, I, I, I'd, I'd like to, you know, buy one of these. And they go, oh, yeah, sure. You're just going to want to go ahead and log onto the website and you'll get it in like eight to 10 weeks. It feels like one of those, you know, kind of like Sears catalog type things where like you'd, you'd get the catalog at home. How old you'd are browse, you? You'd, you'd order it. Well, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, this is not a lot of firsthand experience, but I, I've been told this is how it was. <laughs> you know, from, from the, for my, my dad, I think used to order quite a bit from, from Sears. Anyway, that, that's not important. But what, what is important is that it, it's not great to order something and then have to wait months for it to arrive. And uh, th- that's basically what the watch is right now. And, you know, I, I get that it's a it's a new product. It's using a lot of new technology, but at, at the same time, it just it feels like a company with the resources that Apple has at its disposal. It it should be able to at least come a little closer to catching up with demand, and and making this thing available at least in some stores, and making it so that if you you know order one. You get it maybe like in a couple of weeks. Do you think there should have been a, but, like a lottery system? Like, I mean, like, like. No, I just, I just, it just feels like they should have been able to make more of these things. And I'm, I'm saying that as somebody who doesn't have a lot of, you know, deep knowledge or really any knowledge, maybe about the way the supply chain works and all that. But it just, again, with, with the, with the capital that Apple has at its disposal, it just, it just feels like they ought to have been able to, ought to have been able to. That's weird. Should, weird, weird way to say have. that, but they should have been able to. So I guess my question is, do you think they should have pushed back the the release until they had more available to them? Like, do you think this was, do you think the maybe unfinished software and the limited quantities are a result of their commitment to saying early 2015 or whatever that BS phrase was? Do you think Apple would have wanted to push this back? It, fe- it feels like they already did. I mean, if, Do you think if, they would have wanted to have done know, it like... more? Yes, I, I I think if, well, I mean, obviously there's a financial benefit to the company to releasing this as early as possible, but I think from just a pure buying experience, it would have been better to wait and make it so that more of these things were available from, from the start. Again, take this all with a grain of salt because I'm speaking as somebody who's frustrated that he doesn't have his watch yet, but um, I, I just I just think the... I just think the fact that you you can't go into a store and get any of these like I, I'd understand maybe like some of the more popular variants if you couldn't just walk in and get one. I think I actually you know taking my bias aside from not having a watch, I actually do feel the same way about pretty much every iPhone release. And I and I say that as somebody who actually does generally have good success at getting the iPhone on the first day. I think it's stupid that you can't walk into an Apple store sometimes for months after an iPhone launch and just pick one up like that just that just seems stupid it just it, it it feels like there it feels like there's a way to fix that how i don't i don't know i, I don't i'm again, not saying like do, yeah, do, do, or, I'm I mean, do we have to talk about apple's quarterly earnings uh, do you think 60 how many how many iphones were there let's see i mean it was a lot but it, like it's not just any company we're talking about, though. I mean, this is Apple. This is a company with two hundred billion dollars in cash now. It seems so, like so, so selling sixty one point two million iPhones in three months, they're not making enough. 
like I, I, I think there has to be reasonable expectations of what a popular and in-demand product needs to be. Like I, I am really, I was really annoyed that I couldn't go into an Apple store and even try the MacBook, and I think that was a very um, like mishandled product launch. But I mean, what what are they supposed to do? Like I think they churn out iPhones as fast as humanly possible. Like I, I just don't think maybe you're giving them credit or like just thinking globally of how many units they're moving. Like they can't just say, okay, Bay Area, California in the United States is our number one market. I don't think that's what Apple thinks. I think China's their number one market. So I, I don't. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there's obviously there's no, there's no benefit to the company to intentionally be holding back supply or anything like that. So yeah, I don't mean to suggest any of that. It's just, I just think it's, I just think it's a frustrating experience to not be able to, to get one of these things when you want to. But I mean, maybe Apple's equally as frustrated because I'm sure that they would they would love to be able to ship one to me so that they could, you know, to get nerdy accountant on you here so they could recognize that revenue and all that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Okay. Uh, can I go back to why this is a terrible fitness product? Uh, yeah, of course, yes. So... In terms of the limited watch faces, which I've already complained about, like, so actually, do you know, or I mean, have, how much time have you spent with one in, in the store? Like a decent amount or not that much? Not, not that much. So the main way that you interact with the watch, it's weird because it seems like there's two different approaches. Like normally, if you're just like taking out of the box, I think you would assume that that honeycomb, like little home screen grid is your main way of interacting with information that's not the time. And it seems like that's not the way Apple wants you to do it. So whenever you open the actual watch application, um, you, can, you can do the force touch on it and you can change the watch face. You can swipe down on the screen to see any notifications you haven't already attended to. And then you can swipe up, which shows you the glances, which gives you like quick access settings, like your activity, the weather, stocks, a whole bunch of stuff that you'll never use. Um, and like then your heartbeat and stuff, or your heart rate. Um, that's where most of the important stuff on the phone happens. Once you actually get into that home screen and you have to access anything else, it's a gigantic pain in the ass to do anything. And you can't do most of it by voice, and there's no good way of really automating any of it. So if it's not available as a glance, it's not really worth doing. And I think there really, really needed to have been a like a fitness-centric face to the watch where you can just have the time and then have like your number of steps for the day or like a, a quick link to the activity monitor and a quick way to start a workout. Because right now, if you want to start a workout and also play music, it's like nine different taps to get it to actually work. And by the time like you've already done that, like the treadmill has started or you just want to be on your way. So I just think they didn't think that side of the product through even though that's like one of their, like what were the, like the three like tent poles that they had? It was fitness time and what else? The, the personalized communication. Which that one's a total waste of time. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just going to cut. Cause like, you, did you, did you mean for that to be a pun? No, but like the, <laughs> like the drawing thing, it, it's, it's such a small screen that you're not going to be doing anything, anything there at all. Um, and like the, the heartbeat and the, uh, the tapping thing, whatever. And also I can't figure out a way to do that with anybody who's not part of your, like your 16 favorite people. 
which is also just like another weird inconsistency on it. I just, I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, the one of the things that they talked about at the, the launch or the, the first, you know, event was every new Apple product for the last decade has, has also introduced a, you know, to use the Apple parlance, revolutionary new input method. You know, with, with the iPod, it was the click wheel. With the iPhone and iPad, it was the touchscreen. And then now they, they had said that with the watch, it was the digital crown. I don't think that's true. Right. Um, and it, it seems like all of the initial impressions, including yours, indicate that, that it's, it's not. And I think, I think it speaks to a larger point that I've been thinking a lot about is it feels like a mistake to frame the watch as, you know, kind of the next big product from Apple to be the, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of successor to the iPad, which was the successor to the iPhone, which was the successor to the iPod. Like this, this product, at least in the state that it's in today, and I, I'll preface this all by saying that it, maybe someday it will be, but at least how it is now, it's it's a it's an accessory. It's not it's not its own revolutionary new product category. And so it, I don't know. It seems like it's by by Apple positioning it that way, kind of in some ways seems to set it up for failure. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think it does just because I, I don't think that, I mean, I, I'm not a product marketing guy. I don't know if, I don't know if they should have waited to have the software and everything catch up before they started marketing that way. And maybe they should have gone narrower with it or if they thought that wouldn't appeal to enough people and they had to hype it up and maybe overstate what it can do, even if the product they're describing now won't be that product until three years from now. So I don't know. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a bummer that it's worse than the fuel band in almost every way. And it also gets back to, I guess, my last point on this, which is that I think it's safe to say in general that Apple's a company that doesn't understand fun. And everything they do is either forced fun or it's like a really <laughs> sterile, like lame thing. Like the fuel band, I, I don't know, remember. I don't remember how long you stuck with it or how long you stuck with a Fitbit, but it always had like, like the fuel band had tons of like achievements and streaks and things you could do to like to kind of keep you motivated that were silly and like kind of like inconsequential, but they kept you motivated and, and uh, like kind of working to, to get more steps or to do more uh, exercise during the day. But Apple, it just, it's so bland and boring and they keep telling you to stand up and just, Stuff that doesn't, who, I just don't get it. I don't know. Like, and the same thing with Game Center. Like, who, do you, do you, or do anybody you know actually use Game Center? No, of course like, not. Like, sometimes, like, I'll get a request, like, once every three months. I'm like, who uses this? Like, I think I have all of, like, three friends in Game Center, because who cares? I, I just, I, I haven't, Apple doesn't get fun. Comparing anything to Game Center is not a compliment. This this is the game center approach. Like it's pretty, like the the whole three circles thing is pretty. But the mo the inner circle, the one that's how many hours did you stand throughout the day, is the silliest thing in the world. I understand that's kind of an important health concept, but like trying to gamify or like quantify how frequently you stand up is not 
really that important. Like, and also they, they make it just so hard to um, see how many steps you have for the day, which I don't see why that has to be the case. So you, if I remember this correctly, you had said that you would not wear an Apple Watch and your fuel band together. So what, what are you going to do? Hopefully somebody else makes a fitness tracking app for this that doesn't stink, but they, nobody can actually make actual apps for it, so I have no idea what they're going to do. Because, because also, I think I already mentioned this, but apps are dog slow, and most of them don't work. So who knows? I think I'll just tolerate this just because, I, again, where it excels is you hear a vibration in your pocket and you can immediately see, do I need to worry about this? Or, like, is this important? That, that's, what it, that's what I've been trying to tell you for months. But, again, like that, but I'm, how much am I compromising? Now I have a device that I have to charge seven times as often and is less fun and less simple to use. Yeah, um... But the the notification thing is extraordinarily useful. It is, except you have to be really selective about what you let go to the phone or let let go to the watch. Well, yeah, and I I'm I'm already very very selective about what I have no, as notifications on my phone, so I don't I don't think that's going to be a big issue for um, me. I think it will be. When I if and in fact in some way well in some ways I'm even more um, ready for it because with the Pebble. There is, it's all or nothing. Oh, maybe, so maybe that's either... it. Because I have, because yeah, I have you... silent alerts. Like I, I let push notifications come through on my phone for certain things, but I, just tr- I don't let them make sound. And maybe I would have to get more aggressive about that. Oh yeah, no. So with the, with the pebble, you either get all notifications or you get none. So um, I've, I'm pretty good about what I allow to be a notification. And so, you know, I guess like, for, you know, for all of the disappointing things that we're talking about, I've said all along that really all I want out of the Apple Watch is for it to be a way better Pebble. So, you know, if I use it really just primarily for notifications and in the same ways that I use my Pebble, but instead of being on this really crappy e-ink screen and looking like something from 10 years ago, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. In that case, I think you will be... Um you will be sort of happy. I'm a little concerned, though, that you got the 38 millimeter version. I got the 42. I think mine, like, again, I have smaller, like, I, I don't have, like, gigantic, uh, like, weightlifter guy um, uh, wrists. But I think the 38 is very, very comfortable. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I had said, I, I compared the 42 measurements to the Pebble, and it's smaller in every dimension. And I don't find the pebble to be too big. Yeah. So, yeah. And overall, I, I, last thing, battery life. It's fine. Yeah, that seems to be that seems to be the consensus. Is that it's you know it's not ideal that you have to charge it every night, but at least it does fairly comfortably get you through the yeah, day. Yeah, it's it's ten forty two at night, and I'm at forty five percent. And you know, you're the type where you you know you're pretty good about having some type of physical activity during the day. Yeah. So. Um, so I guess a, a couple of last questions then. Um, and you know, again, excuse me for, for not being prepared, but you know, you, you didn't give me the opportunity to be prepared. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the, the band the sport band? Um, I think the, uh, floral elastomer band, uh, it, it, I think it feels fine. I got the white one, which I do like, and I'm happy with my color choice. 
I do think if I end up keeping it, which I probably will, um, I think I'm going to need to get another one that's maybe more appropriate for more situations. Like I think this is fine for either working out or if I'm wearing a t-shirt or like a very casual like button-up shirt. But there's a lot of situations where I don't think it's appropriate. But also I think changing bands, just it's something that I wouldn't want to do. Not that it's hard, but just having to keep track of it and like think about it it is 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 slightly bothersome in the sense that the fuel band was like plain and nondescript where it I don't think it mattered very much. It was just a, a really small black with a touch of orange little like um bracelet, whereas this is a big shiny silver and white thing. So who knows? And also I don't feel like spending $150 on a, a, a mediocre leather band. God, the, the bands are the bands are so expensive. It's I get it. You know, you you pay a premium for Apple stuff. I usually have no problem with that. But man, the the bands are just really really overpriced, especially for what they are. Yeah, I mean, it feels like I'm sure it's nice. Like I, I'm sure the materials are nice, but it just doesn't feel like terribly fancy. Like the um, I think I'm gonna end up getting whatever the, the one Jason Snell is recommending. I think it's called like the classic leather buckle or whatever. Um. But yeah, hundred and fifty dollars for this. Yeah, and I, I see I don't I don't like leather bands either, so that's just a complete non starter for me. But like what else what would you do? Or are you gonna I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait for a nice third party uh metal band. Link link bracelet or whatever. Uh... Yeah, see like this this the classic buckle, it just it just, I don't know. It, it the, the classic bu- buckle actually looks like a leather version of the a pebble band. It isn't. When you feel it in person, it feels nicer. Well, no, I'm sure it feels nicer, but in terms of its look, I mean, it, it looks almost indistinguishable from the really crappy band I have on my pebble. Well, but is yours fabric or rubber? It's rubber. Yeah, I don't think the pictures are doing, are, make it look the way it actually looks. Like, I, I tried this one in store, and it looked different. Like, on this one, no. It definitely, from many angles, it looks like it could just be black rubber. Like some, like, weird, like, Casio watch. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so then my, my last question is um, the um, the taptic feedback. How's, the, how's that experience? Fantastic. Does, so does it literally feel like somebody's just tapping you on your yep. wrist? That's pretty cool. Because actually, this just ha- this just happened at a meeting uh, the other day at work. Where, <laughs> so you know, with the, with the pebble, it, it vibrates, right? And I had my wrist flat on the on the the table that I was sitting at in this meeting, and I got a notification, and I guess I just had my wrist right at the kind of most awkward angle where the pebble was against the table. And it just, it was so damn loud vibrating against the table that the, you know, the whole, everybody in the room could hear it. It's just the, it's the exact opposite of what you want from a notification. And they're like, like this, oh, this guy has a timer of how long this meeting's going on for. <laughs> right. Uh, whereas the, you know, the, the taptic engine seems like ex- exactly what you'd want something like this to be. Yeah. It's very good. And also you, I guess whenever you get yours, you'll notice in the first uh, day or two that you have to turn, you have to put it on silent. Because if you leave the sound oh, on, oh yeah, I, I don't know. For me, that that 
that doesn't work because the vibration is very, very nice in the sense that it doesn't alert people that you're like, because one, that means whenever you have this on, your phone doesn't make noise when you get a text message. And since your watch is on mute as well, you uh, just get that nice little slight tap. You can uh, just very nondescriptly uh, just take a look at your watch and see if it's important and then just go about your day. And it's really easy to dismiss notifications, which is nice too. So yeah, leaving it on silent, it pays. So yeah, I w I've been kind of confused about this too, like how notifications work on the phone when you're wearing the so, watch. So actually, can, I, can so, I just finish up with that? Just yeah, that, yeah. That's the part that I, I guess this is going to be also um, a connected drive complaint. So in order to use Pandora with my car, I have to leave it plugged in over USB and the phone has to be on. And the way Apple Watch notifications work is if you have the phone in your hand and it's on, all notifications go to the phone itself and they never touch the watch. The screen has to be off on your phone for the watch to get them. Which for me, whenever I'm driving means I get no notifications on the watch and it doesn't solve the problem I had hoped it solved which is knowing what either email or text message I got uh, that's making noise on my on my car stereo without having to go through my navigation system to get to it, which is a huge pain in the butt. So yeah, as long as your screen is off, notifications get pushed to the phone. When you dismiss or act on a notification from the watch, it goes away on the phone and vice versa. Okay, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I was hoping it would work. But does, does that mean that if you know your phone is just sitting on the table and someone like let's say calls you does that mean that and you're wearing the watch does that mean that your phone doesn't ring at no, all no they both ring oh, they okay. both ring which which is i, I annoying because they would they have different well actually no if you have it on silent it just vibrates but i don't understand anybody who would want to answer it from their wrist like like what, what kind of asshole is gonna or what kind of jerk is gonna is gonna honestly like just talk into their wrist for more than 20 seconds <laughs> I see that being like... The pizza phone thing? You know, no, like an absolute kind of last resort thing where it's, you know, like if I'm in a situation where like, I guess I, if I'm at like work, let's say, and I like leave my phone at my desk and I'm, I'm walking back to the kitchen or something like that. And I my, you know, my phone rings, it's an important call maybe, and I'm just not able to get back to my phone in time. I Then I guess maybe I'd answer it on my watch. But again, that would be like <laughs> a, a, desperate, a desperate measure. Yeah. Well, 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 thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts and, and, and surprising us with this. I mean, I, I think, you know, the audience will be just as surprised as I, as I was. Anytime. You, you didn't, you did not do this intentionally, you said. No, I was, again, I didn't want to get stuck with a, in case, like, everybody was like, oh, it's amazing. Um, which I didn't, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. I just didn't want to have to wait until, like, July. I just wish I could find a way to make Siri work on the, on the, on the first try. You know, I was just, I was thinking about this the other day. I never ever use Siri for anything other than setting my timer. That's the only thing I've used Siri for in probably the last 12 months. You don't ever have it um, call people or dictate text messages no. while driving? Well, no, because it, it, I can't use Siri when it's connected to my car. How not? Because it completely screws up sync. How? It, I think we've talked about um, this, but how, I, how? I don't get it. So if I if I use Siri 
um, the way that it looks like on the display is it looks like the phone is trying to call itself. Yeah, which is what mine does, but it's it's and, a lag. Well, but then but then it doesn't um, it doesn't go back to uh, the music or the podcast that I was uh, listening to. And there's no there there doesn't seem to be any easy way to to get it back to playing. Like if I I can't hit play on the phone, <laughs> I, I can't right. Like I have to like turn the dash off and then turn it back on, and then like sometimes it'll work again. You have to power cycle your car in order. <laughs> yeah, ba- I mean basically. Yeah, no, so I can't I can't use Siri in my car, and you know, yeah, at, at the end of the summer when I when I get a new vehicle that that will hopefully be resolved, but. Um, and maybe maybe I then will use Siri more frequently, uh, primarily in the car. But until then, I, I don't I don't use it for anything. Gotcha. All right. Um, what else we got? I mean, man, that was uh, I don't know. That's after I, I don't know how to follow up on that. Um, well, maybe maybe I can talk about um something that that I got recently. Um, and my my first impressions of it. I have no idea what you're talking about. So go for it. I'm talking about the coin. Oh, or it's—I guess there's really no "the" in front of it. It's just coin. Okay, I've got—I've got a strong uh, follow-up question for after, but go for it. Sure. So, you know, for people who don't remember, and and it would be completely reasonable for you not to remember because this is a Kickstarter from like two years ago at this point. Uh, this is a a credit card like device, for lack of a better way of describing it, where. <clears throat> it it you know it looks like a you know regular credit card has a magnetic strip on it and everything and it um has a bluetooth connection to your phone and what that allows it to do is uh load all of your different you know credit cards and gift cards and things like that onto it and then with a the press of a button on the the device or the card it can cycle between all your different credit cards so in theory instead of carrying four or five credit cards with you, you can just load them all onto this one card and then you can just cycle through those different cards all using this this one card. And so <laughs> after delay, after delay, after delay and, and, and promised a beta period that would come and go, I finally got mine uh, on, well, I guess it got here on Friday, but I, I picked it up at work on Monday and, um, you know, got it all set up over the last couple of days and... Um, you know, it, it's um, it's it's kind of a it's it's a weird product. It um, I guess it, right away it it doesn't give a great user experience with with getting cards onto it. It it comes with a square like device which you plug into the headphone jack on your on your phone. I had a lot of trouble um getting my my existing credit cards to read by swiping through that device. And from what I've talked to with some other people, they've had similar experiences. Um, you know, in, in addition to doing that, you also have to then authorize like one of those, you know, dollar and eight cent, t- uh, temporary authorizations to the card. And then you have to type in that amount on the phone. Wait, so, so is that like a multi-day process? Uh, well, no. So these charges actually show up right away, fortunately. Okay. Or at least they did for me. Um, on, on all three cards that I set up, they the authorization, the temporary authorization came through within seconds. But you know, still, it just I don't know, between having to both swipe the card and do the temporary authorization, it was just kind of, kind of a hassle. And I, again, I, I get security's huge with this thing, but um, you know, even when you you so you do actually have the option of like you know typing in your credit card manually, 
you still eventually have to swipe it before it'll allow you to use it. Um, so, you know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a great first experience. Um, but you know, I did, I did end up using it on Monday to, to, you know, to make a purchase and it, it worked, worked fine. You know, no, just no problem. Worked like a regular credit card. Um, my biggest thing with it though, and maybe this is just a self-conscious thing I need, just need to get over, but so it doesn't, it doesn't look or feel like a real credit card because, you know, it doesn't have a Visa or MasterCard logo or anything on it. And it's ridiculously thin and light, way thinner and lighter than a regular credit card. Like it literally feels like, and you probably actually could just, just snap this thing right in half. Wait, you think it's thinner um, than a credit card? Oh, it, it absolutely. So is. you're saying no it's question. business card thin? Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's awkwardly thin. Okay, so you think you think uh, it feels like a Safeway club card? Yes. Hmm. No, it really does. Um, and so what I haven't done with it yet is I've only used it in situations where I'm the one swiping my card. I actually have not handed this card to anybody because I just I just feel like if I do, somebody both with the look and feel of it's going to be like, what the hell is this? Like this is a fake card, and I don't. I don't want to have to go through the process of trying to explain what the hell it unfortunately, is. Unfortunately, I think you, having a... you live in the Bay Area, and I think everybody, unfortunately, knows what a coin is. I think this is not the area where you have to worry about that. So maybe I should just maybe I should just get over that and just try using it. But it, so again, I've only used it in situations where I'm I'm the one I'm the one. Do you worry it. about machines that like eat your card? Like you know, like sometimes there's like parking validation machines or things where like your card goes inside the machine entirely. I feel like that would maybe get caught or like eaten in one of those things. So I haven't, I haven't used a machine like that since I've gotten it just a couple of days ago, but yes, I have thought about that. So yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. Um, and like the, I don't know the other, I only carry three credit cards with me normally. So, you know, really all it would do is consolidate three cards into one, which isn't, it's not, it's not really going to like change the size of the wallet that I carry or anything. So I don't know. I mean, I I kickstarted it two years ago because it was only fifty bucks, and it seemed like kind of a neat concept. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe once I start just getting more accustomed to it and just start accepting the fact that maybe I'll get a weird look or something every once in a while, it'll be fine. But um, yeah, I don't know. So I guess my question is, in light of Apple Pay, and advancements that are going to come there either whether it be a chip and pin or emv or um or apple pay or tap payments or google wallet becoming more widespread do you think this is kind of a weird product that ultimately will be obviated in like two to three years yes and no um i think to address the apple pay question i mean apple pay and just nfc payments in general are still so unbelievably limited but do you think that will continue I, to be the not, case just because now that I, I do you know i i actually i actually do i i don't i don't think that and i it pains me to say it because i really do enjoy using apple pay and I, I do wish it were more common i i really i don't know it's just it's been so long since nfc payments be, first became an option that Yes, I get that Apple Pay is the best user experience and has given a lot of visibility into the technology, but it's not. We're not just going to turn on a dime and all of a sudden, after years and years, have this this you know payment method be everywhere. I think it's going to be a while. So it's because now that there's a company like Apple that has demystified and simplified the idea of more secure 
contact-based encrypted payments. But also you have to think that because of all these credit card breaches and the upcoming um, chip and pin technology that's going into it, many retailers must, within the next year or two, replace their existing payment terminals to support it. So them spending like an extra 100 or $200 per payment terminal to also support tap payments is not a big deal when they're already forced to upgrade their infrastructure. I, I disagree with that. I, I think, again, using the little sandwich shop I go to as an example, they're, 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 they are not going to spend extra money and go out of their way to support NFC payments. That's, I just don't see places like that doing that. Um, it's, but, but, but you do bring up a good point, and this is the kind of like yes version of the answer in that, yeah, chip and pin is, is what's going to kill this first version of the coin because that, that is becoming mandated here in the u.s and it's going to take over i think what in the next 12 to 18 months so but the thing is i don't but what is what would version 2 be because i thought the whole point of chip and pin is that it's encrypted and cannot be duplicated in the same way to magnetic stripe can so isn't that the whole point of it so evidently I, I was asking some people about that evidently there is another version of the coin that's being worked on in which they're trying to incorporate chip and pin but i i, I don't understand the technology well enough to be able to speak to if that's even possible. Um, so yes, chip and pin is going to, to doom this product and make it basically useless, but that's whatever. If it, for 50 bucks, if I get a year and a year and a half use out of it, that's, that's fine. It's, it's more of a, um, it's, I've always seen it as being more of just like conversation a conversation piece. Yeah, exactly. Than a, than a functional thing, but. Hmm. Well, cool. So yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I just, I don't know, the, the, the fact that it doesn't feel like a, feel or look like a real credit card is kind of a really weird thing. Yeah, and I'd, I'd always thought it was going to be the reverse, where it was going to, where it was going to be thicker and heavier, not like, um, like a black card or something, but. Totally. I, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. That's exactly what I envisioned too. And I, I had read about how it felt super weird, you know, prior to getting it. So I, I was kind of expecting it, but still, even after expecting it taking it out of the box it's just it's weird it's really really weird it has your name printed on it though which is so that's what i was gonna ask well, what, what does it look like like does it look cool because the the little display thing of like when you cycle through cards looks pretty janky no it doesn't it doesn't look cool at all but the card entirely doesn't look cool no mm -mm. okay and evidently it gets scratched up really bad just kind of like normal credit cards do and apparently after a couple of weeks it, it doesn't age well okay no no, it it does not it does not look cool at all. And you're right, the screen is um the screen's super ugly and the the way that it displays the information from the card that you're using is really ugly. Yeah, the, it's not it's not good looking at all. Gotcha. The app is very nice, but um that's And about the product it. video was done by Sandwich. That's right. Good times. That was one of the first uh one of those Kickstarter things that I actually thought was going to be cool. Like I never got swept into that like like that silly uh ouya thing. That's apparently going bankrupt or being like acquired. Yeah, I mean, I think I think had this thing actually come out because I think it, the original launch for it, I want to say, was um, I think it was like summer, God, maybe like maybe the spring of twenty fourteen. It was it was like a year ago, basically. I think, or maybe even I mean, it might have even been longer ago than that. I honestly don't even remember. But I, I think had it come out when it was originally supposed to, maybe it could have been exciting for a little bit longer but um 
in light of chip and pin now getting a lot closer and you know to a lesser extent i i, I think apple pay and just nfc payments the this product has just become it's become less exciting yeah so i don't know again we're not gonna what do we need this for uber's gonna bring us all uh, everything we need in our lives um just automatically nice, nice transition God, I can't, I can't, I cannot wait to request an Uber for my Apple Watch. That's that's going to be great. Ugh. That's the number one thing I'm looking forward to. That basically, that's the only third party app I'm going to have on my watch is just Uber. Anyway, I, I kind of de- derailed your transition some here. But do you do you really want to talk about Uber Eats? No, I don't. But actually, I do want to. I, I, can we like uh, springboard off that and kind of talk about? I know we've already talked about the on demand economy. But are there any of those services that you actually use in terms of either like food on demand or any of that kind of stuff? Like, have you have you ever no, ordered like no. a munchery or whatever that is? I've been, I've toyed I, with I getting that. There was a um, there was a service that like we still have it at work, um, where they there's a uh, large you know locked refrigerator in the lobby, and then when you when you order food it comes refrigerated and then you get a little code into your own little personal space inside that fridge and then you can heat up the food. So I did that for a little while. Um, but no, I've never done, I've never done any of these services that have you have food delivered to your home. And in some ways I'm a bad use case for it because I live walking distance to a variety of different eateries and I, eateries? I walk right by them. Eateries. Yeah. That's what I think that's what, um, that's what the kids are saying now. <laughs> Called restaurants. <laughs> it's the um, 1940s again. I, I, you know, I, you're right. I um, I walk, I walk right by them. You know, on my way home from work. So, um, you know, I, I'm not, um, I'm not really an ideal candidate for something like this. I don't think. Gotcha. Um, and with you know, with Trader Joe's frozen food as well, I, I, I try not to actually order out all that much to begin. Okay, with. Okay. Well, then, then we're we're pivoting this conversation. Oh, what what are your favorite Trader Joe's frozen items? Because I've got some top five go-tos, so you tell me first. Sure. Um, I think the um, the chicken tikka masala is very, very good. Okay. Um, I, I think the uh, chicken quesadillas are excellent. Okay. I think the uh, bean and cheese burritos are also very, very good. Um, what else? What else? Oh, the of, of course, the little mini quiches are phenomenal. I'm surprised there's no overlap. Okay. Um, and what, I guess I, you asked for top five, so I need, I need one more. Um, man, I, I think, I guess trying to think off the top of my head, I guess the, um, oh, you know what I, I I actually had, oh, uh, I know, actually, I know know what it is. It's the the Mandarin orange chicken. I was also going to say the, the, I had this like sweet potato gnocchi that was really good, but that's not something I'd have super regularly. (laughs) Okay. You went, uh, you went out there. Okay. Well, so what, what are yours? Um, in no particular order, um, chicken tikka samosas are very, very good. Oh, yeah, those are, those are good. Uh, the lady uh, got me into uh, these lamb kafkas that are very, very good. Um, there's a discontinued product from Trader Joe's that I'm still mourning, which was in uh, <laughs> it was a uh, pesto tomato uh, flatbread pizza. That was fantastic. But there's now a new... Um, ham and gruyere french tart that has uh, kind of replaced it in my heart um yeah i think that's yeah that's probably mainly it 
Yeah, good times. But there's tons of other stuff from uh, Trader Joe's that's also very good. Well, that's that's kind of the neat thing with Trader Joe's. You can kind of just get different things every time you go. Kind of. Kind. Of. I mean, you you always obviously have the staples, but yeah, not super adventurous. But it's it's always good. They suck you in with the um, uh, with the free samples. Ah, the Trader Joe's I go to here in the city doesn't doesn't generally have free samples. They maybe they'll have like one or two, but which one do you go to? The one on Bay Street? Um, the one? No, I don't. I actually go to the one on uh, Geary. Gotcha. Oh, the crazy one. Uh, if you go at the right time of day, it's not too bad. Gotcha. If you go like earlier in the morning or a little bit later in the evening, even on on, on weekends, it's not not terrible. Yeah. But again, you got to know what your value buys at Trader Joe's are. Well, pretty much everything there's a good value. Well, I mean, and not not everything is a super smart move. I don't know. Some of some of it, uh, some of the perishables expire too quickly. But they got a lot of oh yes, they do. And they've got um, a great snack selection. They got the peanut butter filled pretzels, reduced guilt pita chips. There's a definitely some classics here. I stick mostly with like the the frozen entrees, and then also yeah, some of the snack stuff that that doesn't. I don't I don't generally buy like meats or anything like that from there. Because you're right, some of the stuff really does um, go bad real fast. Yeah, uh, they are uh, they are good for turkey. If you ever want to get some turkey burgers, um, it's uh, very good from there and reasonably priced. Hmm. And the s'more ice cream sandwiches, not bad. Yeah, the, you know the the sweets are dangerous there because it, it, they they do have a phenomenal variety, and it, you can you can get yourself in trouble real fast there. <laughs> Is this what the show's become? I think this is this is what the people tune in for. You know, they've they've had to suffer through over an hour of of boring technology talk in order to to get to the real interesting stuff. So wait, do you want to do you want to edit this out and or, or sorry, do you want to like rearrange this so people get their uh, Trader Joe's recommendations and then they can just go drive to Trader Joe's and listen to all the Apple Watch crap um, on the way back when they're eating their uh... yeah. Let's um yeah. Let's actually we'll, we'll drop it in right now. So you know, Carlos, tell me uh, tell me about your Apple Watch. Bravo. Marker. Very, very okay, good. Perfect. Perfect. Great. Now that'll, that'll work out really well. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, Uber eats to go back to the original topic. <laughs> what <laughs> um, has happened? It's not, not interesting to me. I mean, uh, maybe it's because of where I live, but um, I mean, there, there's, there's literally 18 different services that do exactly the same thing with delivering food to your home. It's just, it's just not, just not interesting to me. Um, they're all slight variations of each other, but in most ways are exactly the same. Um, I think it's um, I think it's interesting though that Uber has shown some initiative in trying like different services. Like I was noticing, so I was in I was in you know uh, one of our favorite places this past weekend, Santa Barbara, and um, like I noticed down there they have like this this special line car where. You can, you know, it looks like a regular Uber X, but you can like request it and it'll like take you on a little like wine trip. Wait, it's called Uber Line or Uber Wine? Wine with a W. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that seems, just, that seems weird. Wait, it takes you to a winery or a series of wineries? I think it was a series of wineries. I didn't get to look at it in too much detail, but um, it was just an option on, you know, on the app when I was down there. I just I think it, it's kind of smart that they're trying different things like this. I think it, it shows it shows a lot of um, lack of focus. I, no, I think it, sh- it it it's it shows that they're willing to try different things and they're not just going to get overly comfortable with their core business. And I, I, I like that. 
as long as the core business stays solid, I, I don't think there's any harm in um, kind of trying to branch out a little bit. And I think it's actually it's actually really smart. I kind of disagree, just in the sense that I don't think that any of the other things that they do, they have that their hearts ever in. I think like you know, anytime they do like they're delivering ice cream or they're delivering whatever. I think it's not more just PR or like to do it on a whim rather than ever evolving into a core part of the business. Like the only other part of that, that I think would is the deliver like the on-demand delivery service that they started offering in I think it's Washington DC and a couple other places. Yeah, I don't but I don't I don't think those types of services and I would put Uber Eats into that category too. That's that's not the same as their little one day cat delivery thing like that 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 is that's promotional but like i I don't know like a wine tour service like i don't think that's at the core of the business that's that's a hyper local limited appeal thing i think that's just something that they thought would be cool for a while and probably won't be in the app in three months well anyway that's that's about all i've got with that yeah uh i mean do we have anything else this week I mean, it's it's obviously earnings season, so I mean, there's the you know Apple crazy earnings. Um, the Twitter stuff was kind of crazy, but not not in a particularly interesting way. But um, you know, whenever yeah highly confidential information leaks out ahead of time, that's always makes for a kind of crazy moment. Yeah. Um, the only part I would remark uh, remark on that is uh, during damage control this morning when Doc, uh, Dick Costello was on uh, CNBC, uh, we found out that he uh, pronounces OS 10 as OS X, and that and that kind of bummed me out for the entire day. <laughs> that must that must have been uh, near and dear to your heart. But, it, yes, because I know how it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah, o- o- OS X. I've never in my life actually said that, and you can't prove it. <laughs> I well, I can I can probably do some editing to to make it sound like you have. Yeah. Oh shit! Wait. Uh, damn. Yeah. Ex- uh huh. I was, I was gonna be like, I don't say it, but they call they call that the long con. <laughs> it took four years. Uh huh. All right. That's right. All right. You want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs>